Hey, what's up? It's Killer Mike, and you're watching AU Dollars. Mama told me never fold, run, nigga, run. Like Jenny told Forrest Gump, run, nigga, run. Yo, what up, Cash fam? My name is Matthew Craig, and you are tuned in to AU Dollars, Australia's Hip Hop Connect. We're an independent grassroots hip hop platform, and we appreciate every single person who taps in, watches, likes, comments, and subscribes to our material. We are always bringing you the biggest and best guests from Australia and around the globe. And my guest today is one of the most powerful voices in hip hop, period. A prominent figure unapologetically speaking a message of legacy, of ownership, of culture, of innovation. He's been a leading MC for over 20 years, first appearing on the legendary Outcast album Stankonia. And since then, I'm talking five solo studio albums, four culture shifting, critically acclaimed albums, as one half of the legendary Grammy nominated duo Run the Jewels. He's a Grammy winner himself for his work with Outcast, a multiple enemy award winner. But most importantly, this is someone who uses their platform and their celebrity to inspire. A successful entrepreneur, activist, TV host, producer, the list goes on. He was the recipient of the first ever Billboard Changemaker Award in 2020, which recognizes artists who speak truth to power through their platform. It is an absolute privilege to sit and learn and soak up knowledge from this OG today. Just been on tour with Run the Jewels with Rage Against the Machine, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, the one and only Killer Mike. Welcome to AU Dollars, brother. No, Matthew, thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate being here, guys. Yeah, it's an absolute privilege to be able to, to take some of your time today and talk and learn from you today, bro. Let's um let's start just over a month ago, the new single Run. Uh, I got chills watching it, obviously, released intentionally on Independence Day. Let us into a little bit of the yeah. narrative behind that, bro. Uh well, I mean, it, it's a it's just an inspiration to, to let people know you're not running from oppression, you're not running from an oppressor or a slave. It's kind of traditional. Um, when you're a person um, that looks like me, that you're used to seeing you in um, pictured that way. But it was a, a young hero in that video running toward a battle, toward a fight. And I dropped it on Independence Day because July 4th is Independence Day in my country. And the first person to die on the behalf of the Republic called the United States was a black man named Christmas Addicts. Um, he was the first one to fight against the Brits for independence for this country. And I thought that people needed reminded in that. And I thought that black people um, had been patriotic and steadfast in our defense of our Republic. And I wanted to make sure that it was an all inclusive holiday. So it's gotten over 2 million views so far in the last two, um, three weeks. And people are really excited about it. I think it just plays like a movie and I'm very happy people are enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It feels like a movie, not, not only from the point of the visuals and I guess the narrative of, of the lyricism, but to have that Dave Chappelle intro, uh, incredibly young. Yeah. Thug. I'm, I'm wearing the YSL yeah. shirt today in honor. Free thugger. Hey. Um, yeah. Free thugger, free gunner, free, yeah, free, free too. Mm, absolutely. Uh, let us in about what it was like putting that together to construct, obviously the empower, powerful messaging me to go, I want some narration from Dave Chappelle, an incredibly powerful yeah. black voice in Australia. I want young thug there. What was that process like? Well, Dave actually gave me that speech. He recreated that speech for the song, but he gave me a speech trying to convince me to run for public office in, mm -hmm. in my state. And he gave me that after one of his shows. And I was wow. like, Dave, like, I like weed. I like strip clubs. And he was like, 
I don't give a damn. Like no one's asked you to be perfect. We're at, we're asking you to be honest. And he said those words to me. And Thug, I camped out with for about two weeks because I just thought he'd be ill over the beat in our contrasting mm-hmm. styles. Um, I used a flow and a style that I wasn't really used to. It's almost like a call and response. It was very slow. It was very patterned um, in, in terms of being intentional that people could say it with me. And Thug got on there and just played the track like like Jimi Hendrix would play on a track mm-hmm. with his voice. Absolutely amazing. So I was already a fan of Thug. Um, I was honored. He was happy to be a part of the record, did the record. And um, in his absence, it gives me an opportunity to advocate for not only his rights, but the rights of all artists, whether that's YFN Lucci or whether that's Gunna, that um, that our First Amendment is protected in our in our country. We have a issue going on right now in America. And I'll give you a perfect example. There was a woman who murdered her husband and she also wrote an article how to how to kill your husband. And that article was not allowed to be used as evidence in court because it was protected under her First Amendment rights. And they, the prosecutor was forced to prove she killed her husband through using insurance claims and things of that nature. <laughs> well, oftentimes with young artists who are not, um, who, who not who don't look like the predominant in our country, meaning, you know, that are black or even that are poor, you look like Eminem and you're poor, you're not going to get away with some of the things Eminem said. So what I've been fighting for with Dr. Eric Nielsen who co-wrote the book Rap on Trial is to make sure that our First Amendment rights are honored and looked after too. So this gives me an opportunity to be an advocate, not only Thug, but for Gunner and for someone who was supposed to be his rival wife and Lucha and just making sure artists maintain our right to have freedom of speech as well. Mm, absolutely. And uh, that's something that not feeling too far from removed from at the moment. To paint a picture here in Australia, we're, we're currently going through the same thing. Only a couple of weeks ago, one of our senior police uh, chief officers spoke to YouTube, Spotify, and all the social media platforms, encouraging them to remove songs from certain artists in Australia in a similar light because they, they believe it's, uh, you know, encouraging whatever they, they call criminal behavior or whatever. Um, and so they're looking to censor artists here as well. So it's not only happening in America. What do you think this looks like? Yeah. What's the next chapter and how do we fight against this and protect artists' rights? What does it look well, like? Well, this is not anything, this is not anything new. This has happened mm. with jazz music. It has happened with rock and roll music. It's happened with heavy metal. <clears throat> it's happened with rap before in the 90s. And what I would say is for young people, especially for young people and people who are free thinkers, no matter what age you are, and people that understand the artistic community, is is it the war is never won. It is a constant battle mm. to maintain the rights that, that that we're given God-given rights. God gives you the right to say whatever you wish. God gives you the right, the ability to move with autonomy as a human being. And it is no nation or state should be able to interfere with that. So it is up to us to fight that fight. It's a virulent fight. And we have to keep every day fighting for that. That's something we can never take um, take for granted. And it's something we can never go to sleep on our post about. We have to mm-hmm. stay working. Mm, preach, preach that. Yeah, I want, to, I want to talk to you on that note a little bit about the role of rappers in, in, in the modern age. I, I think back to, and I look at your platform, and I look at you speaking truth to power, and I look back at poets, I look back at the thespians of, of older times, and I feel that's the role of rappers today. As someone who's a, who's a leading advocate, both for social justice and an incredibly talented MC, what do you think the role for rappers is today in, in uh, promoting it and advocating for social change? Well, first, just make dope art. Mm. Making dope art is social change because artists simply by using our imagination and not necessarily a product, our imagination and our song being the product, you give an opportunity to show what the world could be. And that doesn't matter if you're John Lennon writing Imagine or if you're Luke mm. and Two Live Crew um, doing, you know, or, or Juvenile doing Drop It Like a Guy. You are allowing people to, to think outside social order. So mm. you existing is a form of social protest. But I'd like to credit rap and that rap music in every phase 
whether it was Grandmaster Flash, the Furious Fives, whether it was Schooly DMPS Keith Tech K, whether it was Ice T, who just had his 35th anniversary for Ryan Pays with six in the morning. Um, we have all had an opportunity and used it to say something, whether that's future little baby, we've all taken an opportunity to say something in that time. You don't owe your whole career and every record and every album to a social platform. Mm. But when given the opportunity to use your voice in a positive way, in a way that will affect your audience, I encourage other rappers to do it. You have no duty of responsibility, but if you have the opportunity, I would inqu- I would insist that you do because your audience deserves a spokesperson that is honest that they trust versus those they do not. Mm. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. You just mentioned an anniversary of an album there. I want to touch on that. Ten years since rap, uh, an incredibly yeah. powerful <laughs> album from yourself. How's that journey been? And have you had an opportunity to reflect back on the last ten years? I haven't really reflected because we've been on the road and working and working on other stuff. But I can say when it came up, I took some time. And just sat and just was thankful to God and thankful to my ancestors, thankful for my lovely wife who stayed by my side every step of the way, thankful for my children who I've missed half of their life working and being on the road and thankful to be in a position of power now uh, where I have the means to bring them out to see shows, to have my wife out here with me who's been there every step of the way um, and to just be thankful to God and my ancestors that brought me this far because not every musician gets a 20 year career. Not every musician gets a restart 10 years into their career. Not every musician is, you know, in their 40s and and, and approaching, you know, the, the the prime. I haven't even reached my prime yet. Mm. I'm approaching my prime. So for me, I'm just I have a, I have a career that's um, um, Scarface like a Bun B like, you know, E40 like. The more older I get, the more seasoned I become. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. And I've reflected on the grace that I've been granted. I don't take it lightly, and you, you should expect to hear more music, not less from me. Mm. Did you foresee this journey? Like you're someone now who's not only as an artist, but as a, as a public figure, you know, as a, as a TV producer and host. Did you foresee any of this? I could, I, you know, I, I imagined it, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how it's going to happen, but I knew I wanted it to happen. I knew I wanted to be a successful rapper. <laughs> I knew that I was organizing before I was rapping, so I yep. knew that. Um, I had a social responsibility. My grandparents raised me in that way. So I knew I was going to be doing that stuff. I didn't understand it was going to be in the macro, not the micro. You know, I was just a nerd, nerd ass kid who loved <laughs> rap music, man. I, I, you know, I just wanted to be amongst the KRS-1s and amongst yeah. the Scarfaces, Nice Cubes. I didn't know it was going to win me a Grammy. I didn't know it was going to enrich me. I didn't know it was going to support my family. I didn't know that. I was just happy to be doing what I love. That's a nerd ass rap listener, you know? <laughs> But um, but I'm 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 extremely grateful, and I've been granted grace, and I take it very seriously. So, you know, now that I have the opportunity to produce television, I have the opportunity to put out more albums, to have the opportunity to do these things. I don't take them lightly. I'm only coming with the dopest of shit that I possibly can, and I intend to do this for the next twenty years yeah. or so. Yeah, well, we love it. We love it. How do you how do you find yourself juggling all these different responsibilities and outlets that you're pursuing? Because you're executing them all at an incredibly high level. Yeah. How, I just don't stop moving your hands. You know, just, just when you're, um, I, I never, I never look at it as, as juggling because I don't want to drop anything. Yeah. But I all, but I do, but I do look at it as compartmentalizing. I have things that I'm good at and I'm capable of doing, and rap opens up the way to do television. Television, um, and rap have opened up a, a way for me to be a stronger advocate because I'm more well known. And I try to respect those things and keep them. So when I'm rapping and working on a record, that's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to do 10 other things. I'm working on a record. When I'm doing television, 
that's what I'm doing. I'm not doing another thing. So I try to give those things my full and undivided attention and do the best job I can. And, you know, I don't know how I do it all. I just know that um, if given the opportunity to do it all and do it all well, I'll continue doing so. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you, you touched on Dave Chappelle encouraging you to, to run for public office. I saw the footage at yeah. the Atlanta City Council the other day with two chains. What does what the, the yeah. political future potentially look like for Killer Mike? Uh, in the immediate, nothing. Just helping <laughs> people that I think should be in office get elected. Mm. I helped our last, our current mayor and the mayor before him get elected and the mayor before them. Um, I've campaigned um, for who I feel is the leader of the progressive voice in the United States, Nina Turner, and and Senator Bernie Sanders. Um, I, I have I've campaigned for city council people and um, student student uh, uh, city school uh, school board members because I think that there are certain people in my community that are qualified to lead, and all politics is local. So I pay attention to local local politics. I pay attention to local policy, and I try to be a part of it. But I think in the near future. What I want to do is make sure that they, we have a small and medium business coalition in Atlanta that helps to protect small and medium businesses and black businesses as well in particular. And I think that on a national scale, I just want to help get pushed through more progressive policy that are good for the worker class in, in America. The working class has been um, forgotten in my country and they're overlooked for things that people consider bigger issues or and, and I think that there's something to be said. And that doesn't matter what race you are. You know, there's a class of people that work their fingers to the bone in America. And I think that we deserve better representation of people who are lifelong members of Senate and Congress and not doing right by their constituents. Mm. So I'll continue on a national level to push for the worker class. Mm, very well said. Very well said. You, you mentioned uh, Senator Bernie Sanders there. That's a, a relationship that I've watched from afar and just sort of admired to be able to see <laughs> you two t- there together, introducing each other at your own separate events or gigs yeah. or whatever. Can you let me in a little bit into to your relationship with the senator? I mean, that's my guy. That's the OG. That's the old guy. I, I have a tremendous respect for him. If you go back and listen to his speeches from 40 years ago when I was a mere child, he's saying the exact same things in terms of what he wants for Americans and the opportunities. And um, he's pushed his whole career for that. And I just admire him. He's honest. He's a man of integrity. And um, he's he's shown himself time and time again to be a true ally and advocate for the people which is why he has my loyalty and support and friendship and will continue to do so. So I hope he's around a long, long time. I hope, um, I hope the best for him. And, um, you know, I know he's not going to, but I'd like to see him run and win in 2024. I Mm -hmm. think our country deserves a leader like him. Absolutely. Absolutely. You then mentioned as well about economic empowerment of the working class and particularly black communities. Um, you're a strong advocate for black capitalism. Your, your work with Greenwood Bank yeah. is incredible. Um, we're currently going through a bit of a hip hop, almost renaissance in Australia that we're now um, seeing what was typically a really white Anglo-Saxon industry now being you know, championed yeah. by young people of color. And one of, one of the, yeah. the the next chapters that I'm trying to advocate for here is, is exactly that. It's about economic empowerment of, of minority communities. Yeah. Can you can you speak yeah. to that to a bit for for society here in Australia? There's probably thirty years behind where the hip hop culture is in America. Uh, well, what that looks like. You know, hip hop is four elements. It's 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 DJing, it's MC, it's it's graph writing, and it's um, b boying or breakdancing. Now, I would add the fifth element that really locked in in the late '90s and going forward was the financial element. Mm. I think that people like Russell Simmons, people like. Sean P. Diddy Combs, people like L.A. Reid, people like Andre Harrell, 
people like Ryan Glover, who co-founded Greenwood, the fintech company, who also co-founded Noontime Records. I think they understood that the influence to shift the market in terms of clothing, in terms of what automobiles you're buying, in terms of where you want to live, hip hop has influenced all that. And Black people, since since freedom, um, since the Civil War, have been, um, whether it was Frederick Douglass trying to start the Freedmen's Bank or Fannie Lou Hamer started credit unions in Mississippi, we've understood our relationship with money because we were brought to America to be used by capitalists. Mm. We were used as free labor to enrich a country that was very young and that was competing with an empire that once owned the United Kingdom, much like Australia was. Mm. So, you know, if, if I've been a victim of capitalism, it's no, it's no reason that I don't understand capitalism mm. and I can't practice a more efficient form of capitalism that doesn't have to victimize. If black people unify our dollar, it strengthens our economy within our community, makes our community stronger, makes our education system stronger, makes our ability, in particular black men, the ability to have a job and lead family stronger. And if we can do that, then we not only build our own community, the greater community builds. Because if I'm buying food and the food truck has to run, that food truck is going to run in my neighborhood and the other neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And the driver is going to get paid and the trucking company is going to hire more people. And we have a more stable community because you have families around you. So for me, capitalism, it happens to be the system I was born under. And with that said, it's the system that I'm trying to master in a compassionate way to make sure that my community gets its fair share and that we can be a strong community and contribute to the greater community with our culture. Mm, mm, very eloquently said. I appreciate that. I appreciate that teaching. Uh, what do we? I'm hearing the themes. I'm hearing run. I'm seeing that you're in, a, in an incredibly great spot musically. What What have we got to look forward to from from, from Killer Mike into the near future? I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, run has really taken off. Like I'm going around and they're they're playing in the arenas right now. Rage Against the Machine is taking. Um, we're they're running around the world with Run the Jewels opening for them for 51 shows. Amazing. And but before we go on every night, I hear that run in those arenas and I see people bopping to it. I see people rapping and singing. So it's exciting to me to see it growing like that. So right now we'll see where one goes and if one keeps going, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep rapping and putting outs and stuff. So, you know, we'll just see where it goes, but I'm never going to stop rapping, whether it is Danger Mouse having me, ASAP Rocky and LP on a record or Black Thought hitting me up saying, I want you to do something or him with him and Pusher or, you know, Royster 5'9 having me jump on the prime stuff and, you know, I'm just here to rap. And, and, mm. and this is what I wanted to do as a nine-year-old kid. And, yep. and God has given me the, the, the grace to do it. So, you know, I'm going to keep making music. Expect more television. I'm writing a couple shows. Um, I've appeared on shows like Ozark and stuff. Um, yep. I'm in a Cadillac campaign with my wife um, and talking about Black music and, and the, how it's enriched the culture. So for me, I'm, I'm going to keep on, like my wife said, keep singing and dancing. I'm going to keep yeah. singing and dancing. I love that. I love that. And when uh, when can we expect to see you back out in Australia? Australia's got a lot of love for Killer Mike for Run the Jewels. I really miss you guys, man. I love that country. My mom, uh, my um, my mom never got to see it, but we we talked about it after I went. She she passed unfortunately, but mm. you know I always think about her when I come there because it's a long flight. My wife and I yeah. we come. She comes with me. And I love staying down there for weeks at a time. So because of COVID, we you know all countries were kind of closed, but now mm. that the world is reopening back up. I'm looking forward to coming back because I got to tell Australians, you guys are some of the best music fans in the world, in the absolute world. So I enjoy playing that country. I enjoy playing your next door neighbors in New Zealand. And hopefully we'll get to come down there and hang a half a month or so with you guys. Yeah, well, we definitely look forward to linking up when that happens. Well, what are some of your memories of Australia? I remember you touring out here nearly a decade ago with Danny yeah. Brown and Earl. That was an incredible tour. Uh, man, great fried chicken. Some of the best Korean fried chicken I've ever had in my life. Great parties and bars. 
My wife and I went to the zoo with the whole crew. That was amazing. She got to hold a koala bear. We still got that picture up in our house. <laughs> and I'll ask at it. Um, meeting some aboriginal advocates down there. It was yeah. it was ab- absolutely amazing just to learn in terms of what was going on on the street side. Um, Senator hollering at him while we was down there. So um, just built some good relationships down there and happy. Perth, I remember it because um, there was an American enclave of black people had moved there who had, had kind of repatriated from America, I remember too. So just meeting good people um, mm. has been one of the best things and great food. You guys got great food in Australia. Oh, we appreciate that. Well, we're definitely looking forward to having you out here any stage, Killer Mike. It's, it's going to be an absolute joy to host you in the country again. Uh, let's slide into some uh, some fun questions now. We're going to jump into the money minute, bro. I'm going to throw some quick questions out here. Okay. And you just hit me with the first answer that pops in your head, yeah? Okay. All right. Dream collaboration. If you could collaborate with any artist ever, dead or alive, who would it be? If I could collaborate with any artist ever, um, dead or alive, Sade. Mm, wow. Wow. Uh, dream holiday destination. If you go anywhere in the world on a holiday, where would it be? Uh, anywhere in the world on a holiday. Um, my wife's taking me to Africa. So that, mm. that's happening soon. Um, I, I don't, you know, and that's uh, my goal is to get to all the countries before I get out of there, but she's taking me to Ghana. So the dream is closer to coming true every day. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Um, what's on your rider backstage of the show? Yeah, I mean, it used to be Coca-Cola's and sugary stuff. Now it's like tonic water and watermelon and oranges and apples and stuff like that. Old man food, so you don't so you don't die early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where's your favorite place to spend money? Uh, my favorite place to spend money, um, the muscle car, the muscle car, um, any muscle car place where I can buy a new muscle car, um, sneakers. <laughs> so yeah. somewhere between, somewhere between places to buy expensive sneakers or or very expensive um old cars with, with fast motors <laughs> nice nice if you could uh, hang out with a cartoon character for a day who would it be if i could hang out oh uh, man i'd hang out with um pinky and the brain from yeah. the animaniacs i like that that's the first time i've had that answer i like that a lot yeah. <laughs> if the uh if the world's ending tomorrow what's the last meal you're having tonight my wife <laughs> <laughs> That <laughs> um, movie recommendation what's one film everyone should check out oh the godfather one and two that's, mm. that's what i watch that I, when i fly to australia i praise we, we fly delta because you can watch them both on delta and it eats up about five or six hours but yeah godfather one and two like that. and, and after yeah or any tarantino movie i'm down mm. for it Mm, a man of taste, a man of taste. And the last question we always ask on the Money Minute, a little bit controversial, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No for me. Nah, not feeling I that. know why people do it, though. I get it. Because if you like, if you have no real sense of, say, smell, like fruit has a fleshy, like if you eat an orange or a pineapple and stuff, the, the, the flesh feels like kind of meaty. Mm. So I understand why people do it, and it has a sweetness to it. Like the meat is just a little too sweet for me. I prefer I prefer the meat, but I do understand pineapple on pizzas, although I just don't pineapple my pizza. You heard it here. Killer Mike. So, <laughs> thank right. you so much for your time today. I appreciate your teaching, well, your wisdom, your knowledge, uh, and we, we look forward to having you out here in Australia, and I definitely look forward to connecting when you do come. See you guys soon. Love and respect. Mama told me never fall. Run, nigga, run. Like Jenny told Forrest Gump, run, nigga, run.